Welcome to the Dream, Plan, Start, Grow podcast hosted by Allison Turner. In each episode, we interview real everyday entrepreneurs to learn how they got their start, what challenges they faced and overcame when starting the business, and what successes each has had. Welcome to the Dream, Plan, Start, Grow show. My name is Allison Turner. I am your host. I created this show to educate other individuals who may want to start a business or who have started something and haven't quite grown it to the place where they want, because I find that each of us has a journey and each of us can learn from another person. Uh, today, I have with me Ted Hoskinson, who actually founded a nonprofit. And yes, a nonprofit is a business, because some people say nonprofit's not a business, but it's just they get their funding differently than us for-profit businesses. So Ted founded Roots and Wings uh, down in Delray Beach, Florida. So what was your premise behind you know, creating this organization? Uh, well, the, uh, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, the, the, I, I was um, not so young, but I was happy where I was in life. I was doing some traveling. I was enjoying my life. I was playing tennis almost every day. And um, uh, my wife and I had decided that when we uh, passed away, we were going to help establish a fund, a foundation, or some kind to help children and families in need. Okay. Now, I never expected my wife to pass away, which she did six years ago suddenly. And so in 2016, I found myself in a situation where I was very uncomfortable. I didn't really know what lay ahead for me. And um, uh, I had had two great friends who had uh, steered me in the direction of going to Pine Grove Elementary with a guy named Joe Pesey was the uh, principal. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, Based on that, I, I, I said, well, this is, I had been a former teacher. I uh, taught second grade in New Orleans uh, after graduating from Tulane. Uh, my alma mater, St. Albans, where I'd started in fourth grade and graduated, uh, called me back and said, we'd really love to have you teach. <laughs> uh, I came back there and started teaching. And uh, from fourth grade, I went to sixth grade. And from sixth grade, I went to administrative work, running their summer programs and facility uh -huh. rentals. But I lost touch with the kids. When I lost touch with the kids, I really lost my, my, my why, I guess, to be in private education, uh, public private education. Uh, I still have a lot of those kids as friends. Wow. And, uh, <clears throat> but I, I went on and I decided that I would might as well run my own business, which I did for a period of time and sold it. And so that was, brought me to the place where I now had some wherewithal to be able to do this, but no partner to do it with. So okay. I decided that the most important thing I could do was be to give back, which we had decided we were going to do. And mm -hmm. the easiest thing was to steal the idea. So <laughs> the, the idea was to honor teachers. Uh, we wouldn't know who the teacher was. I didn't know who the teacher was. So Joe had picked the teachers and all Stephen and Chuck and I were with the funders. We each came with a $100 bill. We gave him the $300. He went and honored three teachers. Okay. So I thought that was pretty good, but that wasn't gonna be enough to satisfy me because it's nothing is ever quite good <laughs> enough to satisfy my desire to help. So if it was good enough for one school, I went to every principal in the, 
entire Delray Beach elementary schools for the next year, met with the teachers and said, there's this great thing over here at Pine Grove. Would you like to be a part of that? We'll come every month for and honor three of your teachers. You pick the teachers. We'll go into the classrooms with you. So that first year almost killed me because <laughs> going to nine, nine school, no, six schools, three times a month, I mean, one time a month for three honors for right. nine months meant that we were going to be honoring 27 teachers in each school, but we were going every month. And mm -hmm. uh, it, it, I said to it, this, this is crazy. I mean, you know, we are now really in the, in the weeds here. The good news is principals had never had somebody that came on a consistent basis. And that's true in life, I think. A lot of people have a good idea, but they either don't know how to execute on it or whatever. So we modified it the next year. I think modification is always an important thing. You have to evaluate what you're doing and you have to say, where can I make modifications to make mm -hmm. it better? So the next year we did it three times a year. Okay. We did six awards at each school. And then occasionally a principal would say, you know, I have a staff member that could use the evaluation, could use the award. So we said, sure, we'll give a staff member mm -hmm. something too. Well, <clears throat> the third year we added the high school and the middle school. And what we found when we did that is that when we got feedback from some teachers, it was, you know, the principal might be picking people that the principal likes. Yeah. So again, there's a chance to make it better. So a friend of mine, uh, Scott uh, Fogarty, uh, said, you know, you could put a survey together and survey the teachers. So we said the next year, okay, if you're going to be part of this program, you're going to have to give us the names of your faculty, first, last, and their email address. We're going to pull them. We're going to give them some questions. So we established an education committee to to make these questions. So mm -hmm. I wouldn't have known what questions to really ask, you know? And out of those questions, we then had people that were nominated by their peers and who had votes then for those nominations. And the great thing is now it's only the people that are the top winners from this poll at each school. Right. We modified it again this year because now we've been doing it for six years, right? So we have honored over 1,500 teachers wow. and staff since the beginning, but some schools, the person has won it three times. So we changed it again to, and, and also we were giving $100 to the teacher and $50 to the staff person. Well, in today's world of gas and world, <laughs> It's, it's, you can easily see that the $100 maybe fills up their tank. And right. I talked to another, one of the teachers just the other day. She lives in Jupiter. Oh, wow. Okay, so $100 <laughs> probably doesn't even take care of her tank for no. the week. So we decided we would come down in terms of the number of awards. So we now do, this year, we're going to do three teachers and two staff members. We're going to give them all $200. But the best thing is we've evolved this thing from a little brown paper bag with a Snickers bar on the front <laughs> of it to a canvas bag that costs us $5, a, a frame certificate signed by either Michael Coleman, who's our executive director, or myself, and the principal right. saying you are an above and beyond winner. And we have 
business owners in the community who are sponsoring each school. And so they get to come with us along with our board members and people from the community into the classrooms. And then we get to honor the teachers in front of their kids. And the best part is when I ask, when I ask the kids, tell me what makes your teacher a great teacher. If you ever want to see a teacher cry, oh, yeah. ask them that question. Because here's the key. Who do they teach for? They don't <laughs> teach for the monetary uh, rewards no, that they get. <laughs> it's nice to get a bag with $25 from uh, five guys and a free car wash and free right. delivery dudes. It's nice to get all those things. They teach for the, the kids. kids. And when the kid yeah. says, she doesn't yell at me when I make a mistake, or she's funny, or she helps me understand this and she stays with me till I do. That's when the tears roll. And that's what they teach for. So that's really the blessing that I have is I get to see the yeah. emotion on a teacher's face and know that it's really worth a reward. So that's how it started. That's how that program is developed. And then at the end of the first year, PC had moved on. He was such a good principal <laughs> that they kicked him upstairs to be the principal of a middle school in Boca. So the new principal at Pine Grove, when I went there, she said, help my kids read. Uh. Well, you know, coming from a private school, which I had, which, you know, I had a bed to sleep on. I had some right. books in the library. I had a desk with a lamp. Well, you know, a lot of Title I kids don't have any of the above. No. And then they have one more disadvantage. <laughs> they don't speak English as a primary language. So they come to the United States or they're here. Their parents may not speak English. They may not have any of the true things. They may be hungry in the morning. Title I means that they get free or reduced lunch. So we went and we decided we would examine again, try to figure out how best to do it. And we decided we would pay the certified teachers in the school to teach the kids. So now we have this problem. We got to find the certified teachers. We have yeah. to pay them what the rate is. This year, it's going to cost us $49 an hour for these teachers. Wow. So our program is pretty expensive. And we do, we're going to teach a little over at least 600 kids this year wow. in nine schools. Some are in Delray, some are in Boca, some are in Boynton because we've expanded our program. But again, each time along the line, we ask the principals, what, what's going to make the program better? How can we do this? So now we have, at the end of the year, we have a pizza party, but we invite the parents. So we right. have that communication with the parents to be able to see what else can we do? How else can we help? Right. You know, we go into the classrooms during the school day and during the school day, during our program, and we, we, bring, them, we bring them a little candy at Halloween or whatever. But I get the privilege, again, of asking the kids the first week, tell me, tell me what the first thing you have to do in life to be a success. And of course, they say something stupid like, oh, you got to be smart. <laughs> and that, that, of course, is a good first answer, but it's yeah. not the real answer. No. And it's not the real answer for the kids that are reading one or two grades below grade level. The real answer, which I try to in, make sure they understand, is you have to show up. Yeah. Because if you show up, you can learn. If you put your efforts into something. But a lot of these kids don't have anybody at home or anybody anywhere saying, yes, you can. We'll help you. Yes, you can. So we reward them with a free T-shirt that says perfect if they have perfect attendance. 
You know, we give them gold, silver, and bronze certificates in front of their other classmates and in front of funders and other parents and whoever to say congratulations on your hard work. Right. And there's nothing better than putting a smile on a kid's face, you know? So we feel blessed that we're able to help kids. We're helping honor teachers. And we got the most incredible surprise last year. Boca West Children's Foundation said to us, would you like some bikes? And we said, well, how do we figure out bikes? It's like in the pandemic. How do I figure out how to deliver 18,000 books? I have no idea, but I'm not going to say no to something, right? No. So we decided we would set a framework that if you reach, these kids are reading one or two grades below grade level, but they have, at the beginning of the year, they take an iReady test. Halfway through the year, they take a another test and at the end of the year. And from that initial test, they're given a growth goal, what they should be able to accomplish for right. the year, and a stretch goal, which is what, if they really, really, really do well, what they should be able to stretch to. So we said, if you are able to meet your growth goal for the year by the December testing, you'll get a bike. Yeah. 137 right. bikes later, 20% of these kids reach their growth goal. That's great. And that to me shows that kids can, all you gotta do is put those incentives in front of them and reward them. Yeah, I mean, I think you brought up a couple of good points that I wanna point out for our audience is, you know, first is you talked about modifying the program over time. So you've been around for six years, you know, of seeing what was, what worked well, what didn't work well, changing it, you know, and then as you grow, because obviously the only way to quote unquote scale in the nonprofit world is to expand to more schools in your case. So obviously if you're going to every school once a month, then we got a problem because you can't now expand because otherwise you're gonna be going to schools every single day, <laughs> every Correct. single day Correct. and two or three a, a day um, to expand to Boca, Boynton, and then Delray. Um, so I think that's an important piece because whether you're in the for-profit world or the nonprofit world, you have to do that same same thing. So I think that's one one thing to key into. And I think another thing that you mentioned at the very end there was um, you know, when you had the opportunity for the bikes and then we're in the middle of a pandemic, you aren't going to say no because right. you may not get that opportunity again. So you seize opportunity every time. Yeah. You and can. figuring out, you know, what's the workaround for this and how do we, you know, do something with the bikes and with that opportunity? Because I think that's another thing people, uh, entrepreneurs, especially new ones may see a roadblock put in front of them like, oh, I can't do that because of you know, X, Y, and Z. So in your case, a pandemic, you know, in their case, maybe it's funds or something, instead of saying like, okay, let me figure out how to do this and yeah. make it happen. Um, so I think you brought up two, you know, two important points, you know, so whether you're in for-profit world or a nonprofit world, um, they're still businesses ultimately, you know. Right. And both oh, they are. You have to, I mean, I had a business before. You have to treat it as a business. Yeah. There's, there's one more thing that I think is very important, and a lot of people lose sight of this too. You have to stay focused. Yeah. We say we put the blinders on, and when somebody says, you're, we, we need you to help us in middle school, we say we're a reading program, you know? And if they haven't read by the time they get to middle school, they're really too late for us. They have too many yeah. other things going on. So yeah. we're gonna keep our blinders on, and we're gonna focus on this one thing. And so when people come to us and they want us to do this or that, as long as it fits within that particular genre. The other thing is, 
I've tried very hard. I am not political. So when people say, well, who are you voting for in this? I said, well, who, who, who supports the party of reading? Because right, that's the party right. that I belong to. And when you do that, you can entertain no matter who's running for office. And you can say to them, you know, I can't tell you who I'm going to vote for. I have my own opinions, but I want to tell you one thing. If you're elected, I'm going to be on your doorstep and I'm going to be <laughs> asking you for stuff. Okay, because it's so important to have the community care. Right. And that's the other thing that I try very hard to do. We're a member of Spirit of Giving. The most important thing you can do is to wrap your hands around other people, to say thank you. Mm -hmm. You know, people don't seem to understand the simplest of things, pay handsome dividends. You know, a right. year maybe later, two years maybe later. But the fact that you said to some other nonprofit, like Deborah Tenrich, Look, you're doing turkeys in schools. We're there. We'll help yeah. you. We'll we'll raise some money and we'll give turkeys to teachers too because it's a good program. It fits yeah. within our model of helping teachers and kids, right? You don't want to say no when it fits in with your thing, but if it's something for it a basketball doesn't... camp for high school kids, <laughs> it doesn't fit no, the mold. There's other so nonprofits. To, there that... are other nonprofits that... or should be that handle that situation. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, I think that's a that's a key point because I know a lot of times, especially a visionary person, will get see that shiny thing over here and like, or someone will suggest something or they'll come up with this great idea and, uh, you know, all of a sudden they're over here, but yet, you know, their core business is right here. And it's yeah. like, okay, what what's the core business and what, you know, brings in, in your case, the funding versus you know, this may, you know, if you want to expand eventually to something like that, you know, then figure out, you know, put that on a, the back burner, write it down. And then if it still makes sense five years later. Well, then, that's where a strategic plan would come well, in. Exactly. And the, and the other thing is you have to, what I'm working on now, which may seem like a dream, but it, it's, I, I see things and I see possibilities. So my dream is to make this so refined that both programs are scalable. So right. I can say to somebody that calls me from Jackson, Mississippi, or from Jacksonville, and says, you know, I really like that idea of honoring teachers. I could say, yeah. here it is, it's in a bundle, you can have it, right? You wanna help kids read? Here it is, it's in a bundle, you can take it. And the, that, so that's one dream, and I don't think that's that far off because we've uh -huh. been doing it long enough and stayed in our lane long enough that that's possible, Right. I think. The second one that I want to try to do, which I think is also possible, although it is difficult, is, <laughs> but nothing I ever tried was easy, uh, is to say like they do in Vero Beach, the education of, a ch of children is not just the, the silo over here of these people reading. Yeah. It's also for the kids that don't have parents. It's also the yeah. kids in who... Uh, who have one parent and who have five kids and who, who the parents have maybe even been taken away from them. So you have to, my goal would be to have all the organizations in this community, United Way, you, you name them, right. say, you know something, we can all come together on one common, common thought Right. We're not going to give you our mailing list. We're not going to give you our funders. But we understand the importance of how much reading by the end of third grade means to our community. Now, the guys in Vero, 
they have this thing called the moonshot moment. And the moonshot moment's when 90% of the third grade kids read at oh, the wow. third grade level. So all They're still 65%, but they that organization had the wherewithal that when we were in the pandemic and we only had 20% student participation in schools, wow. they went yeah, into, into the school, into the parents' homes. They paid workers to go to the parents' homes and say, it's important your child's in school. They had 75% instead of 20. And guess what their scores looked like at the end of the year compared to ours? <laughs> I'm sure so, a lot better. You know, it's exactly. So it, it, it's a matter of having the chutzpah, the whatever you want to call it, to say, yes, we can, to say that to a student, to get the student to say, yes, I will, or yes, I'll try, right. whatever, you know? Yeah. That's it. <laughs> so, so how important do you think you owned a business before? Obviously, I'm assuming it was a for-profit business. How I'm like, how much did you are you able to take from that experience and hmm. use in Roots and Wings? Well, I can tell you this: I I owned a balloon business. <laughs> okay, so when I bought the balloon business, I was teaching. Or not bought the. I thought this up. I said, you know, somebody said a friend of mine in Baltimore has this balloon business, and he delivers balloons like flowers. Okay, <laughs> so I said, well, that would be ideal for me. And why would it be ideal? Because the business has to be for kids. Right. When are kids able to get balloons? When they're not in school, right? Yep. So I said, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to be able to do parties on the weekend and whatever. <laughs> no, no, no. From the very beginning, it was an adult gift-giving service. You know? <laughs> Adults wanted to give a bunch of balloons instead of flowers to one of their friends in the hospital who was sick or uh, for an anniversary or whatever. So when I finally decided that St. Albans wasn't the place for my be-all, end-all, right. do you think I thought that I could make a living out of just handling balloons for little kids? No, of course not. So every time I saw a balloon, oh, I saw a balloon at an automobile dealer. Oh, well, maybe all the automobile dealers need balloons. Please. So you see, you have to take what you, whatever your, whatever your vision is, you have to stay within your vision, but you right. have to see what the possibilities are within that vision. So it's definitely, as you say, a, whether it's a nonprofit or not, the goal is to raise funds to be helpful to somebody else. Right. It's not, you're not putting any money in your pocket. You're barely surviving in so many cases. We've been very lucky because the mission and the vision is so focused and kids and people can identify with what that is. So we've been, we've been luckier than a lot in terms of yeah. our message. But I think you, you personally, and then Eidolon, and then obviously now as your organization's expanded, some of the additional people that you've brought in, you know, have done a great job within the community and building those relationships. Because I think the only way a nonprofit works well, or at least what I have seen of nonprofits, and I've never been, you know, I've been on a board of one, but I've not been, you know, in the leadership of a nonprofit per se, you know, is is if the community is behind it to some degree, especially if it's a local nonprofit, not some national. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I'll be honest with you. There's nothing that I could have done without Idlin there. Yeah. Every single time I was there, she was taking pictures. She <laughs> took the pictures, she went home, she put them, she said, write me some words and we'll put it up on, you know, whatever it was, Facebook, LinkedIn, right. you know. So, and then, you know, we, we just, we, we surrounded ourselves with just a few people 
Because I think the most important thing is you shouldn't have a board of 50 people. You shouldn't, you know, we started with three. You know, <laughs> right. you have to be focused on what you're doing and you have to be, I mean, it has to be almost, you know, you're living, breathe it. It's like a business. If you're going to make a business successful, you don't say, well, it's six o'clock. I'm going to shut the door and I'm not going to think about it till tomorrow. Right? <laughs> good luck. It, good luck. Right. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. But I'm saying like even your you know, going out in the community, I mean, you support, like you talked about earlier, you supporting other nonprofits and then going to different events. You know, I know you were at the Boca Chamber this morning with the education breakfast that they held. You know, it's being out in the community. We're going to men, building... men in Blue tonight concert in Boca okay. to support them. I mean, we were at the uh, Best Foot Forward event where the where my good friend Pam was in a flamingo, you know, <laughs> thing wrapped around, you know, for the bartender or whatever it was. I mean, you have to show that you care about other organizations. Right. You're not opposed to saying you do. We. We were lucky enough to get a semifinalist ball. We we won one of the six awards for men giving back last year. We we got our little ball, and I said, we got this little ball. I put it up on Facebook. There were lots of nice people who said, that's great, congratulations, you're doing a good job. But every single other organization that got one, I said, congratulations to. Yeah. There were very few other organizations that did that, but to me, congratulations. Somebody else thought you right. were worthy of getting this money. That's something important. Yeah. People evaluated them. I mean, to me, that's the most important thing you can do yeah. is to praise those people doing with their shovels in the ground, doing the hard work. Yeah, so whether it's in person where you're supporting them or, like you said, online where you're interacting on social media, um, obviously that's why social media can be effective. Sometimes it's not effective because there's not that engagement, but that's one of the reasons social media can really be effective is when there is that engagement. Correct. You know, and I think that's an important piece. So whether, again, you're for-profit or non-profit, I mean, having that engagement out in the community, especially if you're a local business, you know, being present, giving back, you know, whether you're on a nonprofit board, whether you're on a, you know, whatever you're doing and not just in your own silo of like, okay, here's my business and this is all I do and I'm not doing anything else. <laughs> and then you get lucky enough, like I did this morning, to see a post from Henry Kennedy, who is a good friend of mine. He was a judge up in Washington, D.C. He's retired. He now lives in Naples. And he told us through Facebook, the story of Tiefu, the guy that beat Rafael oh, Nadal. He came to the United States, he and his brother. The father came with the wife, the father got divorced, divorced his wife, and they were homeless. Oh, wow. Homeless. Now, these are little kids, right? These are little kids. Don't know anything, don't know how to speak, the whatever, right? They went, they got a job because somebody knew him, the father, mm -hmm. they got a job, at the University of Maryland's Tennis Academy as the janitor, and they allowed him to live in the shed, in the shed oh, behind wow. the facility with his two boys. And because of that, Ray Benton, I think the name is correct, he's also a friend of mine, Ray Benton helped teach these two kids, started, let them come to the academy and learn tennis. Oh, now, wow. obviously he was, uh, over time, he obviously was a great athlete and he was talented. Yeah. Would he ever have played tennis if not for these not <laughs> little pieces put together? 
Right. So, you know, people are always the key to successes of everybody else. And you better recognize those. You better praise them. And like I said, I'm happy that all these other charities, I hope I win, yeah. but, but I'm happy that they're there because somebody else said you're worthy. Yeah. And that's important in our community. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, the other thing you've talked about, you know, not directly saying story, but, you know, the storytelling behind it. So even with the teacher's awards, you know, and having a child say like why they appreciate their teacher. I mean, that's the story behind the award because I know teachers, like you said, it's not a monetary incentive to be a teacher, especially in this county, you know, or in Florida in general, um, you know, and it's often a thankless job because you got to teach to, you know, this standardized test. And we're talking public school teachers, not private school teachers in this case. You know, you have to teach to this standardized test and maybe that's not what the child actually needs, but you're mandated to do that in order that they pass. You know, and I think it can be a thankless job. I mean, I've not personally done it, um, but it can be a thankless job. So giving them that extra motivation of like, why did I get into this to begin with? I mean, it's kind of like doctors, I think, get frustrated sometimes because now they got to see 8,000 patients in order to pay right. their medical malpractice insurance and all this stuff. And like, why did I actually get into this? I got into it to help someone, just like a teacher got into it to help a child. But then they run into all these administrative roadblocks or red tape right, things. Well, and, and, and not only that, but un unfortunately, a lot of parents don't really understand that a teacher's job doesn't end at 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock when they see them leaving school. Right. They go home. They, they have papers Plans. to grade. Yeah. They have things to do. They have parents to call. Why isn't your child in school today? They have a myriad of things. And with the salary that they make, I don't care if they have a lot of free time during the summer. I... I worked every summer because there are teachers that have a, a good amount of money, especially in the private sector, and they go off and they have vacations. <laughs> but, but teachers, real teachers that don't have money, like I didn't have any money, you have to, you have to do something in the summer right. like all these other teachers do. And you'd be surprised how many teachers are married to teachers. And you also would be yeah. surprised, I think, how many people give us a little money who have a teacher in their family someplace that they, or a teacher right. at least, that they recognize and know was a great teacher. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think that's, that's important. And I think, you know, anytime you can kind of tell the story of that teacher is important, you know, and just like, again, you know, liking it to a for-profit business, you know, whatever your, whatever that story is, you know, I mean, that's what makes social media effective. That's what makes a website effective is like, you know, telling the story of, you know, if it's a service or a product of like how you help that whoever's reading your right. page. I mean, how, you know, like you're telling about the emotions. I mean, obviously you're a lot about the emotions because Unfortunately, that's what- I'm very emotional too. <laughs> but, you know. Well, it's a good thing though. I mean, like, because that gets the buy-in from funders and, you know, people that, want to give to the organization because they see how much it means to the teachers or how much you're helping these children read to that third grade level, you know, in order to be successful. Because what happens when they, you know, get to, like you said, fifth or sixth grade and they're not at that third grade reading level at that point, a lot of them drop out. I mean, I don't know what the statistics are nowadays, but I mean, a lot of them, it's just a self-fulfilling. 74% of children who aren't reading at the third grade level on grade level, there's a 74% chance that they will not graduate from high school. Wow. That's three-fourths. 
It's like 54% of third graders currently are reading on grade level, which means 46 are not. Now, I know when I was going to school, 54% is an F. Yeah. So that, <laughs> exactly. to me is a, that, that to me is a grade that I'm not willing to accept. No. And so we have to work hard to, to raise that grade, to raise the kids' expectations of what they can do. Because no child wakes up in the morning and says, hey, I'm really glad I'm stupid. <laughs> they, they just don't have opportunities. They don't have sometimes somebody saying, yes, you can. They got the kid behind them, bullying them, who doesn't know how to read either. Right. You know, so that's why we take those kids after school. We reshuffle them. We put them in groups of 10 by what they don't know. And then we let a certified teacher do what they know best, which is teach. We don't tell them what to teach. No. We, we say, go at it. <laughs> go at it. And if you walk into three different classrooms of kids that need phonics, you got three teachers teaching differently what that phonics is, how to teach that phonics to their group of kids. And that's what the magic of education is. Well, yeah. And, and in those situations where you're paying them for after school teaching, they don't have to teach to a standardized a test or a right. book or a textbook or whatever it is. They can actually just teach how they would want to teach. Correct. If they had that free range to teach all the time. Correct. You know, which I think is a, a, a great, a great thing. Um, so from the balloon business, so did you end up selling that business? I did. Okay. So you At one it. point I had nine retail stores. I had a oh, warehouse wow. and I still did deliveries and stuff. But in the end, I, 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 I sold what was the warehouse. We were doing a million and a half dollars a year and wholesale balloons to people. Oh, we, wow. of course, were one of the smaller ones. The biggest one was doing $31 million a year. Nobody even understands million. this kind of numbers for a wholesale bid. But you walk into Party City yeah. and you see how many balloons are on the wall. Oh, and when lot. you realize the average cost of a balloon, a foil balloon, is about $0.14 cents to make it, uh, you know, it's the helium inside it that costs the money. Really? It's only $0.14 <laughs> cents to make a balloon? Yeah, it does. <laughs> I did not it's, know it that. It costs a lot less than that for a latex balloon, too. But that's yeah. all right. That's another story for another day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I think the parallels of for-profit and non-profit are interesting because, as I said, uh, you're my first non-profit guest. So, you know, of seeing, like, how you scaled that business. It's the and same then thing. It's the same concept. It's the same concept. It's just, I mean, I've had people that are in the nonprofit industry that, you know, said to me like, well, it's not a business. I'm like, what do you mean it's not a business? You we still have to, it's not a really a business. You just have to treat it well, yeah. like a business. But to right? me, it is, your funding is coming, you know, instead of me bringing in income from my for-profit business right. from selling something, you're selling the concept of the store, you know, the, the, store. the mission. Mm -hmm to funders. So yep. it's just you're getting your, your money coming in from a different way. It's not the school that's providing you the money. Otherwise, you'd be broke probably. <laughs> the school would provide you the money. So that's kind of what I mean by, like, to me, it's still a business. You need to right. manage it like a business. Correct. Otherwise, it's not going to be successful in the long run. Yep. So what are your plans to continue kind of the progress? Because right now, I know you said you're in the three um, cities or towns for, is that for both Above and Beyond and the Project Uplift? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have 15 elementary schools where we give the Above and Beyond awards. Okay. And we're in nine schools where we, where we have our program. Um, the key to growth is funding to some degree. Obviously, it costs money to put a new program in a school. I've been pretty successful in doing that part of it. 
we haven't gotten any government grants. We haven't gone after that focus. It's been individual people and some family foundations and some organizations like Jim Moran and Children's Services and Impact 100 Women that have helped us expand to new schools. Okay. Um, I, I would say our goal right now is to have a thousand kids, which means we have to have about 35% more, which okay. is we our normal program is 70 kids, 10 kids in first grade, 30 kids in second and 30 kids in third. Um, it's about $500 a child. So you can do the math and see what that costs for, for a school. So that's Project um, Uplift is $500 a child. Times 70, that's $35,000. Yeah. And um, we try very hard. That's a little more this year because of the jump from 33 to $49 an hour. But yeah. the, the goal is for me is to uh, find strong principles and once we find the strong principle, put the program where the strong principle is. Because okay. you need great leadership at the school to create great programs. Mm -hmm. And you can't, have, you can't have a strong program with a weak principle. And okay. we can, that's one of the first things. Can you, can you bring me seven to 10 teachers to teach this program if we need it? We, have a hun we had 149 students at Orchard View last year. 149, oh, wow. not 70. Well, we had that because of Jim Moran's help, but we could get the funding from Jim Moran, but we couldn't get the teachers from Jim Moran. We right. had to get the teachers from teachers because the principal said, this is a program that we need to help our yeah. kids. But you're pulling the teachers from inside that specific school. Exactly, just so, that school. Okay. They know the kids the best. Yeah. You know, they deal with them every day. They right. know they know their hot points of how you can help them. That's really again a point. You put the you know your hand on the child and you say to them, you know, come on, Johnny, spell that out for me, pronounce that out for me, right. and they want to succeed with that because they know you're you care about them. It's not bringing yeah. in some outside person, you know. Right. So. And are you trying? Are you wanting to expand to other cities in we, the area? We we would like to expand throughout. There's 61. Title I schools in Palm Beach County. So there's a lot of expansion opportunities all <laughs> the way all the way to Palm Beach. Yeah. Uh, there's people doing certain things in some jurisdictions and not in others, different kinds of programs. So we would go where there's not a program okay. and we would try to be of help if we when when we found those those people. So our goal is to take whatever it is and continue to expand as we can fund it. Okay. Okay. Um, and do you ever think like Roots and Wings is kind of the legacy around you and your wife? Um, I, I, don't, I don't look at things quite that way, I guess. Okay. I don't, uh, I didn't do it to put my name on a building. I didn't no. do, I, I always say to people, you don't seem to understand 30 days after you're dead, nobody knows you. Nobody remembers you. So the most important thing is if I can change, if I can change children's lives, right. the children become better because of that. And when children become better, their lives are better. Their income okay. level increases. They can do more things. Mm -hmm. You don't, you don't, you know, I think a good leader doesn't do it for you know, yeah. themselves. They, they do it for the good of what they're trying to accomplish. And if somebody says a nice word along the way, well, that's nice. It's a good little pat on the back, but it's not what you do it for. No. 
You do it for something no. else. So the, the children are really the legacy. Yes. Yeah. So. Hopefully. Yeah. You know, we're and, working hard then, to make that yeah. happen. And then it improves you know. the overall society. The community. Yeah, exactly. I mean, isn't that what we want? We don't want kids at the end of sixth grade year not graduating and going out and trying to find a job doing something that's a little less. I mean, if you don't know how to read, the best job that you can come up with is pushing a button at McDonald's that says, it has a picture of a hamburger, right? And that you can't, you won't be able to make change because you don't know what that is, right? So what, what, what kind of a future is it for that person? Right, you right. Know? So as we start to wrap up here, if you were to give someone that was wanting to start a business, so whether it's for-profit, non-profit, um, you know, a word of advice of something either you learned along your journey, whether it was in the for-profit, the non-profit world, whatever, um, or, you know, either that you had initially or you learned in the journey, like that one thing that you find like really important for someone starting, what would that be? Uh, stay focused, but start small, prove out what you want to do, don't expand too quickly. We did one school and that with our, uh, with our teaching thing, Harvey Kimmel gave me $10,000 on a dare. I beat the dare. We added a second <laughs> school. Children's Services gave us money for two more schools. Impact 100 Women gave us money for two more schools. We got some extra funding. We added two more schools. That's how you grow. Okay. Slowly, methodically, and handle what you have to do. Because if you grow too quickly, you don't, you're not focused in what you're really trying to do. You're, you're too spread. You, you can't reverse some of the things that might go awry. So you have to keep focused yeah. on what that is. That would be my one piece of advice. Okay, well, that's good. And if anyone wanted to reach out to you um, or learn more about the organization or potentially donate to the organization, what's the best way to do that? Uh, well, I, probably the best way to find out about it is our website. Uh, which is, uh, it's pretty simple, except I had to add an ink, unfortunately, <laughs> to keep my wife's vision of the name that she created. And I thought the name was great because you start with roots, you have to have a strong yeah. foundation. And once you have those roots, you can have the wings to fly. So it's yep. www.rootsandwingsinc, that I hate, <laughs> dot org. And that's our website, and that's how you would uh, see some pictures of our teachers and see some smiling kids and, right. and learn about it. And, and uh, uh, there's some contact information there if you'd like to talk to me further, or especially if you want to give us a little money. <laughs> that's important. Um, but thank you for joining me today. You're very welcome, and thank uh, you for having it. me. And thank you everyone for joining us on the Dream Plan Start Grow show. Again, my name is Allison Turner. If you have any questions for me, you can look at um, my website, dreamplanstartgrow.com. If you are interested in starting a business potentially, and I do have a complimentary 30-minute consultation on there you can sign up for. And we have other resources. All my podcasts are on there, whether you're looking for the audio version or the video version. Um, and that's the best place to find it. But thank you again. You're very welcome. Thank I'll you for having me. see everyone next week. Thanks for tuning in to the Dream Plan Start Grow podcast with Allison Turner. If you like what you heard, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. Join the Dream Plan Start Grow community by following us on Facebook or Instagram at Dream Plan Start Grow. See you in the next episode.